Tank three. Instead of take three, you get it. Miami Sports Podcast, Tank three, week three of the NFL season. The Miami Dolphins lose again, which was expected. But uh, Dookie Lang, who is hanging out with me right now, I think, I think if you look at this, perhaps you can walk away from from this game, maybe feeling a little bit better than the first two. So we'll talk a lot about that and uh, what we may have seen that can give you some hope moving forward if you're a Dolphins fan. Uh, but let's uh, get the let's talk about the elephant in the room. Get this out of the way. Yeah, Will Manso is alive. Yeah, he made it. Will Manso hey, is congr- alive. Congratulations, yeah. Will. Yes, Will uh, Will ran through the streets of Montreal Let, for like, a marathon. I was gonna say, like, let's let's give context with I mean. David Sampson. <laughs> Okay. Who uh, <laughs> was responsible in part for Les Expo leaving Montreal. So that's kind of brave. <laughs> so so what you're saying is maybe when I said Will's alive at the top of the... Yeah, no, it's... A, it's I mean, that is that's that is some real trolling. Yeah. How long's a marathon? Was it 20... Uh, Something like that. Hey, crank my mic up a little bit. I think it's a little... Like 26 Yeah, miles? that sounds better. That sounds better. Now I sound a little bit more like you. Um, yeah, so, so congratulations to Will. All joking aside, man, that is quite an accomplishment and... Uh, no, I, we'll have him back next week. Actually, if you're listening to this right now, he's already back in town since it's it's Monday that this posted. But Sunday night, he is in Montreal celebrating what Dookie Lang is celebrating as well. A yes. Daniel Jones led comeback victory for the Giants over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So you guys will have a lot to talk about with that coming up this week. But well, let's talk about the Dolphins and, and the feels loss. good to have a quarterback. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, 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 we'll talk about that. Uh, Dolphins, uh, as we expected, lose in Dallas. And for those of you who care about such things, yes, the Dallas Cowboys did indeed cover yep. by the time the game ended. Uh, but look, uh, Dolphins kept it close in the first half. And I- I'm not going to come away with any moral victories from the fact that they kept it close. I think I do think Dallas came out a little flat. I do think the Dolphins came out with a really good game plan, especially before they got into the red zone with giving Josh Rosen some smart, safe throws, quick throws, uh, allow him to get comfortable, allow that offensive line to build a little bit of confidence. So I I liked a lot of what I saw up until they got into the red zone and decided not to let Josh Rosen touch the ball other than handing off. But um, so, so Dookie, let's start right there. Let's start with the game plan right off the bat. And then the big play by Devontae Parker. They missed the field goal after that. But as you watched Josh Rosen early in this game, your thoughts were what? He's better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I think that was my first thought because we spent all summer going back and forth between Fitzpatrick and Rosen and Rosen and Fitzpatrick. And Fitzpatrick is the veteran and he's capable of Fitz magic and he knows the playbook better. And I think I was amongst the people who looked around like, what? why? I mean, this, this guy was a top 10 first round pick. How is it that Josh Rosen can't beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick? That made no sense to me. So to see him come in and have a little success initially, make a, make a couple throws, Devontae Parker making a play, which is a very rare and beautiful flower that emerges periodically. That was kind of cool. Um, so I thought to myself, okay, well, he's better, he's better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. My next question to myself was, okay, well, is he better than Ryan Tannehill or anything you've seen over the last few years? And I can honestly say just after watching a half of decent football on a horrendous team, I already think he's better than Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. I already have more hope for him than I ever had in Ryan Tannehill. But I did something on Saturday, (laughs) which kind of 
colored what I did on Sunday, which was I spent some time on the couch and I watched Tua play a little bit for Alabama. So I thought to myself, is this guy better than Tua? No. So I basically, I mean, without getting into the specifics of his play, which I think we'll do, I thought to myself, okay, well, he's better than anything they've had. He's better than Fitzpatrick. He's better than Tannehill. He's better than Matt Moore and all the other backups they've had, but he ain't Tua. So maybe this year they can use him in a way where they can groom a really good serviceable backup to next year's first round pick. And that's that's my mindset as I watched him play. And, and we'll get into that in just a second. And by the way, I think it's completely fair that that we view Josh Rosen this entire season through the prism of how does he look in comparison to Tua. I, I'm I'm completely fine with that. I know that that might sound crazy in week three, but look, this is this is if you're a Dolphins fan, that that is the comparison you want to look at because the whole question right now is do you want to keep Josh Rosen as your franchise quarterback moving forward after this season, or do you want to draft one? And and we're all going to be looking at Tua. Sure, you could have someone like a Jordan Love or or Justin Herbert that that ultimately pass Tua. I don't see it right now, especially not because Tua certainly hadn't done anything to to make you think that anybody's going to pass him. But I, I'm okay looking at this through that prism. I mean, that's that's what they're trying to do, right? I mean, if the you always asked, do they have a franchise quarterback? Well, that's the French. That's gonna be in theory their option. So that's the standard, not. Is he better than he was with the Cardinals? Is he growing? Is he getting 1% better every day? That's coach speak. That's the coach's jobs. Our job as the observers is to compare him to where we think the franchise is going. Because obviously, you know, the Dolphins coaching staff can't be can't look at that guy and be like, man, he's not he's not gonna be as good as these young guys. Let's like they have to try to get the most out of him that they can over the next now 13 games. Speaking of franchise quarterbacks, how about a franchise car dealership? Your sponsor today, Vera Motors. And when you spend your hard-on money in a car, go to a place with a reputation, and I promise you there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke, Pines. The Vera family has served South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium in Pembroke, Pines. So... With Rosen, and, and if we're going to do this where we're going to be comparing him to Tua all year, I think what's what's difficult is what we've seen from, from Tua up to this point is a, a team which is the exact opposite relative to its opponents than what Josh Rosen is playing with right yeah. now, where you've got Alabama, which is clearly the dominant team every time it steps on the field and, and probably will be in – Virtually every game this year, although LSU could be really interesting um, until they get to the college football playoff. So you watch that, and yes, I look, I, I loved what I saw out of two on Saturday as well. Granted, I only saw highlights and some, some cut-ups on Twitter as the day went on, but you see a guy who makes great reads and, and largely makes the right decision and, and, and makes nice throws. With that said... It's not a rarely do you see him have to make a, a really tough play. Um, and I say rarely, maybe one, two, three times a game early in the season. Whereas I felt like with Josh Rosen on Sunday, you saw a few times where he did have to make a tough play. And he didn't make it every single time, but I felt like there were times when like that throw to Preston Williams that was dropped in the end zone, that was just gorgeous. I mean, that was a dime and it was it was right where it needed to be. 
And that's kind of going to be, you know, if it looked, how'd the play end out? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But that's, you know, no, I'm I'm not playing the result. It was a good ball. It's yeah. just it's just amazing. It's amazing. But that's the Dolphins. It's amazing. It's it, amazing to watch. But that's how you're going to have to evaluate. Josh no, I know. Rosen this great, year. Th- great should have been touchdown. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and maybe the best you can hope for. So. Meanwhile, you're watching, you know, Tua throw to guys like like Jerry Judy and, and Henry Ruggs, and, and they're going up against guys who, you know, they're probably going to be selling insurance in a couple of years as opposed to playing NFL football. So, you know, it's it's a little different. And, you know, what I liked out of Rosen that I saw is everything looks so easy with him. And, and it's just the way he drives the ball, it, it looks effortless. And, and it gets where it needs to go a lot of the time. There were a couple of times where you could tell he wasn't on the same page with the receiver or he left the ball a little bit off to the side. But the, the tools and the things that you're looking for when you evaluate a quarterback and whether or not he can be your guy, I was like, man, I, I, I like that a lot. I did see something that concerned me with him. And it was when he had to leave for a few plays to go get tested for a concussion. Yeah. You have a guy who, back in 2017 alone, suffered two concussions. And that was a big question mark with him coming into the NFL was the injury history, the propensity to hold on to the ball a little bit too long. He was a guy, his toughness was never questioned. In fact, sometimes it was the opposite. Some people felt like he held on to the ball too much, too long, and would take hits. So, Dookie, when we're talking about evaluating him, we could sit here all day and, and, and dissect every single pass that he made, every single read that he made. But first off, that's that's bad podcast material. But secondly— That never stopped us. I, I don't, yeah, that's true. I don't think—I think you have, you're taking everything into account, and whether it's his concussion history or Tua having his own injury history with getting little uh, dings here, here and there along the way. And, and frankly, Tua— really struggling when it comes to to facing big-time opponents. I think all of that you have to take into account. So, Clay, um, I'll use both of the teams besides the Dolphins that we watch to sort of give you an example of of how I frame Josh Rosen. The New Orleans Saints right now are without Drew Brees for, what, eight weeks? Somewhere thereabouts? Yeah, six to eight. Six to eight weeks. So Teddy Bridgewater in there, a guy who the Dolphins didn't want to pay, maybe the quarterback of the future for the New Orleans Saints— I was watching Bridgewater play on Sunday, and I thought to myself, okay, what if Josh Rosen were dropped into the New Orleans Saints? Give him Kamara. Give him Michael Thomas. Give him this offense. Give him Sean Payton. Could he have won the game that the Saints won on Sunday? I think he could. Mm -hmm. I think he's a type of quarterback who, in a good situation, can be effective. I mean, like we talked about the ball that Preston Williams dropped in the end zone that was right on him early when the Dolphins were still in the game and might have... I mean, listen, if you're going to pull off an upset and you're 20-something point dogs, you got to have something go right for you early. When your young quarterback throws a dime in the end zone, you got to catch it Mm -hmm. and change the whole game. And that type of pass, if he played on a better team, if he played on a real NFL team at this point, that's a touchdown. And and that's a momentum-changing play. Okay, so then I look at another rookie... Daniel Jones, the New York football giants. You talk about you talk about Tua and, and being in college and every game, it's almost like too easy for him because his wide receivers are better than every cornerback they face. His offensive linemen are better than every defensive line they face. His tight ends are better than every linebacker. They, so he's got good matchups everywhere. Daniel Jones, when he was in college, 
His offensive line was worse than every defensive line he faced. His wide receivers were worse than every, every cornerbacks he faced. His tight end, so he, when Daniel Jones was at Duke, he was used to being under duress. He was he basically had what a tanking like roster in college and was able to find success out of that. So then you see him put on an NFL roster, this is Daniel Jones now, with a horrendous defense, with mediocre wide receivers, with Saquon Barkley the running back getting hurt. And he put up 32 points and, and led the Giants to an 18-point comeback because he was used to that adversity. Where does Rosen fall into that? Because at some point, like you, at some point you run out of excuses and you, you make winning plays despite the people around you not being good. Obviously, the Giants receiving core is a little better than the, Gi- than the Dolphins right now, but Josh Rosen, they put up six points. They got shut out in the second half. He got sacked a couple times in the second half. They faded. So it wasn't, you know, as as exciting as a couple of the throws that he made and he used his feet. I mean, I, 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 I don't think we can give the guy an A for his performance on Sunday. Well, I'm not going A, no. But I also think, look, I mean, yeah, Daniel Jones played, played well and he certainly made a big push towards the end of the game. I, I still think when you're talking about the two teams, first off, not just – the two teams and, and the talent that those guys play on, but the two teams they were playing against in yeah. Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay Tampa Bay may be pretty good. We'll, we'll see how the year plays out. Dallas is really good, though. Dallas yeah. is good. Yeah, Dallas I mean, is good. And so I, I just think making that kind of a comparison in a, a one-game setting is kind of tough. And actually what's interesting is the more I see Daniel Jones, I kind of see a little bit of similarities to Josh Rosen, a lot more than I thought. Coming into the draft, the comparison that you heard a lot with Jones, which I never agreed with, even though I wasn't too high on it, but you heard a lot of Ryan Tannehill. When I see Jones, I see the ability to drive the football very similar to what I saw with Rosen on Sunday. So, But but to your point, by the way, I I think there's a lot to that. Let me go back to your first point that you made there, because it was something that I found really interesting. And I wish I remembered the analyst at the time, but I remember the draft class of 2000, was it 2006? Whatever the draft class was with Matt Leinart and Jay Cutler and Vince Young. And whoever the draft analyst was, that was I really think it was good. 2006 because wasn't that that great national championship game in 2000 January 2006 the Texas Texas USC game? I'm trying to think because I know Reggie Bush was the second pick in 006, and I can't remember if it was the same draft. So anyway, this is a terrible podcast. I think whatever it was, but it was those three Google quarterbacks. It. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> in some in some order. Yeah, those three quarterbacks were the quarterbacks that everybody liked. And I remember if Leinart had come out the year before, he was hands down the number one pick. I think but he, he liked college too he much. He liked college and wanted to go back. But I heard a draft analyst at the time, and, and, and when I heard it, I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. I don't know. Okay, we'll see how it plays out. But he said, my big problem with Matt Leinart is that everything has been too easy for him. Throughout college and, and going back to high school, things have been too easy. So what's going to happen with him when he faces true adversity? And sure enough, we saw when he faced true adversity, first in the form of having to battle Kurt Warner for the starting job, yep. and then then ultimately wherever he went, having to face athletes that were similar or better, he couldn't get it done. Yep. And, and this analyst also said, I like Jay Cutler because he's a guy who who's coming into the NFL from a situation where he was always overmatched. Yep. And not overmatched, not the word, but on the lesser talented yeah, team. Yeah, everyone, every SEC team that Vanderbilt played, right. they, had the less, they had the less talented roster. 
there, maybe other than Jay Cutler. Yeah, and and look, let's let's forget about the Jay Cutler that we saw in no Jay Cutler. In Miami. There okay. was a point where he, he used was, to be good. Yeah, he was good. He was good. He was never elite. He was never. But there was a point in his career. Get off my Jay, podcast, Adam Gase. Yeah, no, Jay, <laughs> Jay Cutler was certainly the best quarterback in that in that draft. Vince Young came out and won the yeah. the MVP. And if he had, or excuse me, the, the rookie of the year, and if he had continued on that trajectory, he would have been very easily. But Jay Cutler, as far as being able to. Uh, consistently perform throughout, you know, until he started to fall off. I feel like Rosen's got a little Cutler in him. I think... In terms, just in sort of, like, attitude and just sort of, like, he sort of comes across, not to say he doesn't care, but he's kind of easygoing in a sort of, like, 80s villain, obnoxious kind of guy way. Yeah, you know? You can can see a little bit of that. I'll tell you what I find interesting with him, though, and, and it was a question. He was asked by Adam Beasley earlier this week, and I found this really interesting. He asked him, so so what's your leadership style? And this was right after. And initially I was sitting there thinking, man, how how do you answer that question if you're if you're a quarterback? Like what you're either rah rah or you're not. And I thought it was really interesting what he said. He said, I, I rely more on building personal relationships. I'm just not the guy that's gonna go out there and, and scream and holler and do all that, but I like to get to know my guys. I thought that was really interesting, and and believe it or not, I've never heard that before. I, I and and maybe I'm missing it, but I have never heard a quarterback stand up in there there and say, "My way of leading is I get to know the guys on a, a personal level, an individual level." You can easily say, "Oh, I like to build relationships," but saying you want to build that one-on-one, for lack of a better term, intimate relationship yeah. with with somebody who you're going to be sharing a locker room with. Um, I thought that was really interesting to hear him say that, and and I thought, oh, okay, that's very. Interesting. Like, that's something that I would like to hear from a quarterback that when I'm watching, I don't feel like he's the rah-rah type, the the Drew Brees getting people fired up in the huddle uh, before the game, the Tom Brady screaming It's not sort of a plug-and-play. Right, right, right. It's not a plug-and-play speech where you just yell. It's, it's, you know, when when Preston Williams, not to harp on this play, but it was the play of the game, but when he drops the touchdown that you throw, you know him. Yep. So you know... What do, what, what do I say to him? Not what do I say to someone after they drop yep. the game-winning or, or, or the, 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 the early momentum-building touchdown. What do I say to Preston that will get him going? Exactly. As opposed, That's to, a great point. As opposed to like yep. what, what would I say to and, – and you know what? For all Tom, – Tom Brady has personal relationships with his wide receivers. I've seen plenty of videos with Brady and Edelman working out in the offseason. And we hear about that all the sure. time with the – Better players and the be- Gronk. I'm sure Brady didn't interact with Gronk the same way he interacted with Edelman, the same way he interacts with Josh Gordon, the same way. I mean, it, you know, you have to adjust it, but I think it's very mature for Rosen to say that. I think it's probably hard because he's had like 50 different assistant coaches, 10 different systems, sure. 97 different teammates. He's been a backup. You know, I I wonder how much how much. Ryan Fitzpatrick influenced that answer because it kind of sounds really Ryan Fitzpatricky. <laughs> well, if, 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 if when you listen to like the way Ryan Fitzpatrick describes his career as the journeyman who's been around and right. seen everyone, and I hear him talk a lot, a lot about like the relationships in football. So maybe maybe that's what they talk about in that quarterback room. Yeah, so. and and, and that that's a positive. I like that. Yeah, and and by the way, I we're pointing out a lot of Rosen's positives and and I'm doing that intentionally because I feel like for a first start for a new team and and playing with a a, a team where your surrounding cast is not good, it's really bad. 
I thought it was a positive performance. With that said, there were a lot of throws. Not say a lot. There, there were quite a few throws that I saw that that Rosen missed, and and some some things that he needs to do better. So by no means am I sitting here saying after this game, Josh Rosen is taking over as the franchise quarterback of the Miami Dolphins moving forward. Forget Tua. Just go out there and draft a left tackle, and then draft Jerry Judy, and and dra- you know, no, I'm not saying that right now. What I'm saying is, look, this is a draft where. You've got, what, four or five quarterbacks that a lot of teams are going to want. And a lot of teams are going to be moving up pretty high to get those quarterbacks. And perhaps the Dolphins decide that, yeah, we do want Dolphins to are ta- Dolphins one. are taking a quarterback at, I, at, at th- with their first pick. Regard- whether they have the first pick or the f- any top five pick, they're taking a quarterback, but let's, in my opinion. <laughs> but let's say Teddy Bridgewater... Does not play very well right. moving forward as the as the New Orleans Saints quarterback. I really like what I saw on Sunday. I, I really like Teddy Bridgewater and, and his history, and um, I would love for him to be that guy. But let's just say for whatever reason, at the end of the year, Sean Payton decides, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater or Taysom Hill are going to be the successor to Drew Brees. Hey, they got a first-round pick. And they could call Miami, and, and I guarantee you that Miami would. So I don't. what I saw from Josh Rosen on, on Sunday, if he consistently puts together performances like that and shows any sort of progress as far as reads, as far as, as making the throws, putting them where the receiver can only get it, and not the defensive back, because there were a couple of times where he lived dangerously on Sunday. If he shows that kind of progress, I don't think he's going to be the Miami Dolphins' backup quarterback, because I think somebody is going to offer this team a first-round pick, and then some, for what they saw on Sunday, and what they would see on on future Sundays with Josh Rosen. So what I, what I saw from Josh Rosen, I was very intrigued, and again, I'm coming at this from a a media perspective of covering the Dolphins, but also from a a fan perspective of a team that is going to need a a franchise quarterback. And whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or Taysom Hill or neither one of those guys, I saw a guy in Josh Rosen. I was like, man, I could see that guy wearing black and gold and and eventually taking over as as the quarterback when Drew Brees leaves if Bridgewater's not the guy. So some team is going to want what they saw on Sunday. And I think the Dolphins shouldn't give it up. <laughs> like not even I, for first round no, pick. No, no. I, I think I think I, I always say this. Not all positions in sports are created equally. The quarterback position in football is so much more important than anything else. If Josh Rosen is that good, draft a great young quarterback and let them fight it out. And if Tua comes in and beats out Josh Rosen, then have one of the best young quarterbacks, and have the best backup. And I I believe in having as strong a quarterback room as possible. And I know they got a million holes. They got a million draft picks, and they got all kinds of free agent money. They're not pick deficient. So if they're going to overdo it in one position, overdo it at quarterback. And if you can have a, a Josh Rosen who now, okay, so he's played one game, he's got 13 potentially more if he doesn't get hurt, which, as we said Sunday, who knows, um... Give me a give me a guy with 13 games of experience in your system, and give me a top five quarterback, ideally number one, and go into camp and go, wow, we have a decent quarterback room, and then you build from there. But I I, I don't necessarily give him up for, you know, the Saints' 22nd pick. I don't. I I and if if he's good, but I tell you one thing, I don't know exactly what Ryan Fitzpatrick's situation is, but I, I would cut him as soon as the season's over. Well, I, yeah, that's and that's I, gonna I, happen. I, yeah. I think I, I don't I don't think they have any use for him other than a warm body to keep. And and I think Rosen has proven enough that 
he can stay in the Dolphins system. That that's just that's what I would do. So you wouldn't take a first round pick for a backup quarterback. At the, well, the problem is I don't know if my first I, I'm hedging. I'm hedging because I can't miss on my on my top five pick because if you take Tua and you flip Josh Rosen for a, the twenty second pick, so New Orleans has Josh Rosen and Tua isn't what you think. Now where are you? You draft either uh, Justin Fields or I'm Trevor saying Lawrence right, you keep, right, right. But you keep I, you might still do that. I you, you keep you keep building that quarter. That quarterback room has been. An embarrassment for twenty I, years. I get it. Keep I going. It. I get it. But look, at some point you have to commit to the guy. You have to you have to commit in a way where you're not just hedging because you need to surround the guy with talent and 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 not just offensive talent, not just you know, linemen and skill position guys. But you got to get that guy defense. Right. But I don't want to. I don't want another ten years of Matt Moore, where where the yeah, Dol- where the, the Dolphins have uh, have the guy who was Ryan Tannehill, who was okay, and then they had a guy who was a little less than okay, and they were perfectly comfortable every year letting okay go into camp and compete with little less than okay, and they had an okay quarterback room for eight years and they didn't do anything. Yeah, but I don't don't think that you can... The mistake there was tricking yourself into thinking that Tannehill was going to continually get better. And agree, and but never pushing him. Right, they never pushed him. But he never showed enough to where... Look, I, I don't think that... I, I don't when you have a guy that's that's good enough I don't I don't think you need competition I think you need somebody who's who's gonna supplement that I, think I want you need both gonna help them. I want all of it well okay <laughs> but <laughs> at that I over I overvalue it in in Here. my fake role as a general manager I overvalue the quarterback position to the point where I am going to develop Josh Rosen into the best quarterback he can be. I'm going to draft a young stud, and I'm going to hold on to Josh Rosen until said young stud proves to be the second coming of Dan Marino, at which point maybe I'll consider a pick for him, but not until then. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation, and I promise you there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than our sponsor today, Vera Motors. Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines, The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service as well, it is Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300, South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. (sighs) Need to take a (laughs) breath. Um, So I'm I'm with you in that you have to find the quarterback. I do think at some point when you have that many picks and you have a guy that you're trying to turn the keys of the franchise over to – Ideally, you want to supplement him with the best players possible. And when I look at the Miami Dolphins roster that was rolled out there on Sunday, I I don't think you would be able to figure out if Tua is is good enough, if if he's going to be your guy. So I would want to use every possible pick. But I get where you're coming from and and that's fine. So let's let's take it a different direction here. You traded away Mika Fitzpatrick for a first-round pick. And and the good news there is is the Steelers lost on Sunday. It is a team with a tough schedule. It's a team that is lacking its franchise quarterback for the rest of the year. Maybe Mason Rudolph gets them a few wins and pushes for a wild-card spot, or maybe they end up with, with five, six wins and potentially a top-eight, top-ten pick. On the other side, Mika played really, really well. And I, I think the concern you have is what does that say about the franchise as far as being able to build around the talent that it gets in the building? 
and and I've always heard this, you don't you don't get players to fill your scheme. You scheme around your players. And especially when you have elite, very good, gold chip, blue chip type players. What Minka Fitzpatrick can do is blue chip level play. And and it's it's locking down a slot receiver, locking down a tight end, uh, playing the safety position. You put him at slot, you put him at free, and Pittsburgh was able to put him in a position where he balled out because he was comfortable. Miami was unwilling to do that. I'm not going to say unable. They were unwilling to do that. So it's like this mixed bag where you're happy you're getting a draft pick, but let's say you get the, the number eight, number nine pick. I mean, you would be hoping that you draft a guy that is a a lockdown slot corner and a really good free safety. I blame both Minka and Brian Flores for this. I really do. I feel like this was one of those situations where Minka, I think there was a bit of false advertising on Minka, right? Because Minka came out of Bama, and what was the one thing that they said about him? They said he was the surefire, lock, safe pick, plug him in, decade of of great play, best attitude, Nick Saban loved him, could do anything with him, total versatility, total team guy. Okay, cool. Now a new staff comes in. And Brian Flores is like, okay, cool. So this guy's versatile. He's a team first guy. He's going to do anything to win. And then like six weeks into camp, his mom's tweeting he's playing out of position. I mean, that 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 doesn't work for me. So I think there was equal blame, right? I think the Dolphins were hard-headed and that they didn't utilize Minka Fitzpatrick to his strength, which as you said is covering the slot and that he has a unique ability that is beyond the average NFL safety corner to cover that slot position. Okay, great. But on the other hand, if you're going to sell yourself as a Swiss army knife and then the coach is like, hey, I want to use you like a Swiss army knife. And then you're like, trade me. That's not, that's not delivering on what you said. So while they did whiff on him in a sense, I also think that he misrepresented his attitude. It just didn't work. It's one of those things where based on all like the totality of the evidence, it looks like to me, the Dolphins... New regime did a bad job of finding out what he wanted, and he did a bad job of being what he was supposed to be, which was this great team first, do anything, which, you know what? It's kind of something you're going to start to see on a tanking team. Like, he did it on the way out. I mean, Xavier Howard kind of did it on the field Sunday, right? He he basically had a horrendous performance then he melted down and got himself thrown out of the football game and he's probably your best defensive player left after Minka so that type of losing the stink of that type of losing really really hard not to be contagious it's like driving for two hours in a car with bad body odor and then getting out and thinking you're gonna smell good you speak from experience on that, like you never road tripped before. You ro- road, no, I'm saying, are you the one with the odor? Or I'm, I'm saying, if I'm the, if it. the general car, if you're driving in a smelly car for three hours and you get out, you're not going to smell like a daisy. The Xavier Howard situation, by the way, and I, I'm with you. I think you're exactly right as far as the stench of losing and and how it feels, and and that's kind of been my issue with the whole tanking thing to begin with. And again, I feel like we have to throw out this disclaimer every single time. We are all pro-tank. All of us on this on this podcast have said we think tanking is the best thing for the long-term interest. That's of why I was franchise. watching Alabama's game on Saturday. Yeah. So <laughs> like, we we all we all agree with that. With that said, 
you have an elite player in Xavier Howard. Yes, he got burned by Amari Cooper on Sunday. A and lot. Amari Cooper played really, really well. And look, I, I don't have as big of a problem with Xavier Howard being mad at the end of that game. I'm sorry. Like, and maybe that's because when I was a kid and I would lose in tennis, I would throw my tennis racket and break it. I mean, maybe that's it's just me. And kids don't don't do what I do. I had a really bad attitude when I was a kid. Some would say it hasn't gone away. As a kid, I was like, I was, I was like, <laughs> as a kid, I just beat you to that joke. Yeah, no, I was, I, I was, yeah, I was sitting joke. here, yeah, um, as a kid, yeah, yeah. So, so great. maybe, maybe I identify with that. No, a bit I, I listen, I, 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 but I, I didn't have as big of a problem with that. But I do, I do agree with you in that sense. And I think you have some guys in that locker room, and and Xavier is probably at the top of the list. They're like. Well, look, I mean, I, I was just about to say, he's looking around like, well, who else is here with me? That's exactly what he tweeted out yeah. after the Mika Fitzpatrick well, pr- trade. He tweeted the Will Smith <laughs> for the Fresh Prince thing. I mean, that's got to be how he feels. And they know, man. And and I, I give Chris Greer credit this this past week for, for standing up and essentially without saying the words we are tanking, at least explaining what their version of the tank is. And, yeah. and I think, for me, it was nice that somebody finally stepped forward and said, yes, this is what we're doing. I feel like, and- I, I, my guess, and this is based on nothing other than a guess, but I think that's a fine standard for a podcast, is that Brian Flores was sitting in a meeting at some point with Chris Greer, maybe maybe Stephen Ross was involved, and he's like, uh, guys. Little help. Little help, like, like, Little help. You know, I've only been at this for, like, you know, six months, and you're, you're, I kind of... I'm facing the same six reporters every day asking me 20 different ways, are you tanking? And I'm I'm, I'm running out of stuff to say, so yeah. if any of you would, would like to chime in at any point, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. A little yeah. help, exactly. Yeah, so, so I give him credit, and, and I like all that. I, I think, unfortunately, you have somebody like Xavier Howard who is going to be here, and there's going to have to be conversation at the end of this year of how do you explain to him? How do you say, look... The things that we did this past year, I know it hurt, uh, but but you got to trust us. And and maybe it doesn't need to be said. I've never I've never been in an NFL locker room outside of the allotted media time that we're allowed to go in there, where the players really don't want us in there anyway, by and large. And you're not going to hear anything interesting. So, um, but to me, it would feel like that's that's the guy at the end of this year that you're going to have to go over and talk to and say, look, I understand this year hurt. And and we paid you for a reason. We want you to be a part of this this franchise moving forward, and find a way to mend the the hurt and 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 brush away the stench of losing. I mean, he's obviously that you talked he's, about. He's obviously frustrated. I, I don't blame him. And, I don't blame him. I mean, it's kind of like imagine being an elite number one wide receiver and you're going up against the Miami Dolphins, right? So. Whether the Dolphins were good, bad, or indifferent, you still got to deal with Xavier Howard all day if you're mm-hmm. the number one wide receiver. Now you get to take on Xavier Howard and nobody. No yeah. And so it puts Xavier Howard at a big disadvantage. And that's that position that to be the number one wide receiver, to be the number one cornerback, there's some bravado going in there. We're going to get you. I'm going to show you up. And when you have no confidence in anyone around you, you have no confidence that the pass rush is going to get to the quarterback, that the linebackers are going to be where they're supposed to be, that there's going to be safety help, that you are literally, forget Revis Island, you are an island completely every game against the best wide receiver, and you're getting toasted, and you built a whole reputation and got paid based on the idea that nobody toasts you, that's got to suck. And that sucked on Sunday for Xavier Howard, and that's going to suck on 13 more Sundays, and probably more than that. And... 
it's going to be a real test of his character if he's going to be able to get through it. And I think with Minka Fitzpatrick, it speaks to his character that he was in the same situation. He was on the same defense. He was being asked to give the same level of trust. I think the only difference between the two is Xavier Howard got his second contract and Minka hasn't yet. Because I think if Minka had been paid, if Minka had just gotten the $60 million that Xavier Howard got, maybe he would be a little more like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll bite the bullet for a little while and hopefully things will turn. But Well, and maybe. And, and I think with, it, with Minka, the, the problem was being, being forced to play positions that bigger players play. And, and having to throw his body at, at a lot of guys that normally wouldn't have to as far as coming down and playing a little bit more in the box, playing a little linebacker, playing some strong safety. And so I think now now maybe had he gotten paid, then that wouldn't be as big of a question in his mind because, right. you know, you're, you're not sacrificing future earnings quite as much. But all right, we'll, we'll leave that part of the discussion and, and we'll wrap it up here in a second. Um, I guess watching that game on Sunday, and this is part of the reason why I, I would – if I'm not going to keep Josh Rosen, I'd try to get something for him, especially if it's if it's a first and then some. You still see such a talent deficiency across the board. And and props to the Dolphins and the offensive line in particular for holding it together with duct tape for the first half. But this is a team that that the talent the, the disparity is is so wide that when one thing goes wrong, it snowballs. And and you knew the second that Kenyon Drake fumbled that football. And and there were already a couple of things that had just not quite gone their way, but they had found a way to... But once that big thing goes against you, it's going to start rolling down the mountain. And the fumble, after that, you knew it was game over. The other team knows it. I mean, sure. that's that's what I've noticed the, the last two weeks. Baltimore came out because it was the first game, mm-hmm. because Lamar Jackson was coming home. Because the Dolphins didn't pass on, you know, passed on him in the draft, Baltimore came in to step on the Dolphins' throat and did so immediately. And, and not to not to interrupt you, but I'm going to give you credit on this. I mean, you you texted me during the game. You said the Cowboys are trying too hard. Yeah, the, no, they, no, they, no, they were trying to throw a whole bunch of different. Yeah, like, it, no, the, and 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 you listen. You saw it with the Patriots. You saw it with the Cowboys. The way to beat the Dolphins is to just wait. <laughs> it's just to wait. It's to slow walk it. I mean, that's. The Patriots slow walked it against the Dolphins. It was thirteen nothing at the half, and by and then all of a sudden it was twenty three nothing, and then all of a sudden two pick sixes and you and you get to your thirty seven nothing, no problem, without breaking a sweat. And the Cowboys were like, you know, trying to figure it out, and then all of a sudden they just they just relaxed, <laughs> and they, and Dak came out in the second half and it was Bing Bong Bing and touchdown touchdown and another touchdown and that was it, that was it. It was it was it was so quick. The Dolphins are a team that will beat themselves, and I don't think. By the way, I think I think it's I think the one thing I can say for Brian Flores, and I remember thinking this during the game, so I'll say it here: the players are trying, <laughs> like like the organization is tanking. Mm-hmm. The players are trying, and that seems like a big distinction. But when you watch the games, if you really watch the games closely, there are not lack of effort plays there are stupid plays Mm -hmm. there are drops that professional football players shouldn't drop but they're not dropping it because they're not trying they're dropping it because they're shook they're dropping it because they're down they're dropping it because they're terrible they're dropping it because losing's contagious they're fumbling the ball because they're just not playing well it's not like they want to be bad they're just terrible and talentless i'm I'm glad which which i think terrible and talentless is not 
Brian Fl- Listen, his it's takes a tough way to go through life. His takes no talent wall was calling his shot. He <laughs> knew when he came in, he was going to have no talent. So he said on the first day of Trader Kip, what am I gonna do with a team that has no talent? And he wrote T N T. It takes no talent. It was it was his hope, it was his dream. I pray that when they actually have talent, they take down the stupid wall because it makes the jokes way too easy. But I, I see a talentless team with no hope with the men on their roster. But I do see a team that, despite the gross deficiency of talent, played. And for that, I salute them-ish. Our talented sponsor today, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation, and I promise you there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines, the Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service it is. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium in Pembroke Pines. Well, the good news for the Dolphins is uh, that they get a desperate Chargers team coming in next weekend. That cannot afford another loss at one and two. They should be on the lookout for Philip Rivers because he's, he's he wears good. bolo ties. Have you ever seen him? He wears those. He wears good those night, ties. everybody. He wears the bolo. Hold we're on, leaving. I gotta, I gotta play the music. So, give me a second here. We're we're leaving on that. I got nothing. Let's just run this thing right into the ground. Thanks for listening.